0: And not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Tracen, and our engineer co-producer is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient word. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So, with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day.
1: Welcome, listeners, to the podcast God Beyond the Bible, a podcast made by seekers and for seekers. This is episode number 31. As always, thank you for taking the half hour or so, or sometimes more, out of your very busy <laughs> week to visit our podcast. Hopefully you are blessed and inspired and feel encouraged that there are a few other seekers out there just as far out as you are. And our shout-outs today, as always, to our regular listeners, you guys that tune in or click on yeah. every <laughs> single and, week. And,
0: Antoina is my wife, and she's a regular. She yes, listens she to is. the podcast before I do.
1: Mm-hmm. and, you know, always Leanne and Kirk and Eva and Stephanie and Kyle and all of those that listen, and also to our anonymous users who choose not to use a screen name when they're listening mm-hmm. to our Which podcast, but r- they're out there listening. We appreciate fine. that.
0: We're not trying to build up to get money. No. You know, we're yeah. not trying to keep up and keep a record. But we so do we like to
1: know that people are listening. Well, we do <laughs> yes. like to know
0: that we're not just talking to ourselves. Well, is that it? On the That's it. Uh, as I far mentioned, uh, this is podcast number 31. Our last two episodes were devoted to conspiracies and conspiracy theories. I kind of enjoy those.
1: They're kind of a fun break. Well, it's it's fun. not so
0: serious. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, a little different than what you're used to hearing, but uh, we hope you find that topic as fascinating as we do here at God Beyond the Bible. But let me go ahead and say something here. I have to make a retraction. Okay. I said that I watched the Apollo deal live at school, the uh-huh. Apollo Moonlight. I couldn't have on July the twentieth.
1: No, I didn't think about. So that. I
0: had to start thinking about <laughs> it and asking some people because I wouldn't have been. In school was even out though, for the even summer. Well, well, even though I did a lot of summer school. I don't <laughs> that. No, I, was, I, I thought, how could that be? Because I know we watched it, and I asked some of my classmates. Had they said, yeah, we watched it? I said, how could we? It was in July, and it was like, uh, so what? I've come to the conclusion is, is we actually watched a pre-recorded. That fall of '69, okay. we watched on AETN a pre-recorded, because I got to thinking we couldn't have sat there that long and watched <laughs> that whole thing. But it was a, it was actually a pre-recorded deal you. that we watched. So anybody that got to thinking, well, you, how, what were you doing in school in July the twentieth? And that's, it, but it occurred to me after I thought, saw the date. And so anyway, huh? I'm, I, I'm glad that never
1: crossed my mind I'm, either, I'm sure
0: I there sense. are people, folks out there that thought
1: he can't math at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so today's topic is a little more in line with what you're accustomed to hearing us talk about. We're going to be discussing the little, if ever, talked about fact that there was a translational decision made when our Bible was translated to English that had it been honestly and accurately translated, it would change the way we think about and discuss God and the Bible itself. And that word is the word that is translated God. And here in segment one, we're going to discuss the Hebrew word that's translated God in our English Bible. It's the Hebrew word Elohim, which you'll sometimes see spelled as E-L-O-H-I-Y-M or E-L-O-H-I-M. And
0: you're not going to see that in your Bible, but it was just the Hebrew word translated God. God. Uh, Now, this word Elohim is a plural of the word Eloah or El. Uh, which means God in singular form. When I-M is added to any Hebrew word, it's like adding an S to an English word. For instance, river becomes rivers, mountain becomes mountains, and so on. Now, let me put in a disclaimer here. We're not Hebrew scholars, but we are speaking of facts that have been well-known to scholars for centuries.
1: Yes, and I wanted to give you guys kind of a little insight here. You hear cherubim and seraphim, But we all know what a cherub angel is and seraph angels. And that's what cherubim and seraphim are the plural The I am the cherub,
0: you get cherubim. And and the way I
1: understood it, that there are masculine and feminine plurals. Like I am is the masculine where we get him. Plural and then um, OT, I think, is the feminine plural for Hebrew.
0: Well, I've learned something here.
1: Okay, so the question one has to ask is, if there was a Hebrew for God in the singular form, Why was it not used instead of the plural plural form? Many who either don't want to discuss the ramifications of this fact or who don't want to think about how this would change the whole complexion of our interpretation, uh, like the whole Bible, I mean, it would change everything. For sure. Well, and it has to do with the debate of the monotheistic view versus the polytheistic view, which means one God or many God. And actually, I think what we're really going to get into in this episode is called henotheism. Which is and worship? Spell that,
0: spell that again for it me. It is
1: H E N O.
0: And then theism. theism. Okay. It's Which theism just means God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And it is worshiping a single God while not denying the possibility of the existence of other gods.
0: And they may not be gods. Uh, they may not. Uh, okay. It could be a team of the gods on the same side, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we're not yeah, necessarily saying competing. Yeah, right. yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Okay, it seems odd that the man Moses, who is accredited for supposedly writing the first five books of the Bible, including the very first book, the book of Genesis, would make such an accidental or controversial indiscretion as using the plural form of a word, not once, but over and over throughout his writings. Right.
1: As we've mentioned before, Moses was a very educated man. He spent the first 40 years of his life being groomed to hold the highest office in Egypt, and that was to be the supreme, the supreme ruler, Pharaoh. So he would have enjoyed the best education possible, one that the common man would never be entitled to, neither Hebrew or Egyptian. And let us say here that our modern scholars today will assert the argument that in the context it was written, it's implied that the word was intended to be interpreted in the singular form. What does that mean? That means that we're going to make it say this because that's what we believe it I mean, isn't say. that really but what that that's sh- is what I it I saying? I mean, that's
0: the, that's the, that's the apologetic it's answer I got. saying that you know
1: what was in their head when they wrote that. You know what they meant to say.
0: Yeah, we're going to tell you what they meant to mm-hmm. say, not what they said. Because, you know, you know, they said gods.
1: Right. They did clearly. If it was meant to be, why did they suddenly change it? to the singular later on
0: well and we're gonna talk about that because it's our English it was Mm -hmm. our English by then monotheism right right, Mm -hmm. what had prevailed so by the time the English Bible came along these people said we can't say the gods Mm -hmm. because that goes against everything we believe isn't that really what happened yes or had to happen because if if you were purely a translator with no agenda of your own you would have translated Elohim, the gods. Yes. Well, Tracy, is that you, number seven? You're number seven. I'm number seven. Okay, it means to us anyway that by the time the Hebrew was translated to English, sometime in the 15th century, that the desire to promote monotheism was so prominent that to properly translate the word as written would bring into question the traditional belief system that had evolved for the centuries, and it really did.
1: And you never trump tradition.
0: You just can't mm-hmm. go against tradition, and and it just blows my mind. When we'll talk about that later, I think in the ending. But why can't we just translate it and leave it alone? Why does there have to be a commentary? I mean, let's be honest. Why do we have to start with a commentary so we start gearing your mind to think mm-hmm. this certain way before we ever let you start reading it?
1: It's very true. And this
0: is not this is not anything new. Are we out of time of this seven? But this is not anything new. And the reason that's not anything new is I'm holding here in the possession i'm going to take to a group meeting tonight i have an 1872 bible Mm -hmm. and the introduction to this bible is how to read and properly understand and interpret this bible
1: oh wow Wow. about
0: 20 pages (laughs)
1: 1872
0: okay well first part i think we pretty well took care of that Mm -hmm. so with that thought we'll Mm -hmm. close the first segment of episode 31 be right back with Segment Two.
1: Welcome back to Segment Two of God Beyond the Bible. Today we are discussing the little known or at least little talked about fact that the Hebrew word translated God in the early Old Testament was actually the plural form of the word that properly and fairly translated should have been gods with an S. So in this segment, let's take a look at the very first chapter of the first book of the Bible and translate it as near as we can using the plural gods instead of the singular god.
0: And we talked about, of course, that word is Elohim. Mm-hmm. L El- El or Eloah was singular God and Elohim and Elohim appeared every time in the first chapter of Genesis Mm -hmm. every time Genesis 1 1 in the beginning the gods created the heavens and the earth
1: verse 2 the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered it and the spirit of the gods was hovering over the surface of the waters in verse 3 then the God said let there be light and there was light
0: in verse 4 And the gods saw that the light was good, and the light separated the darkness.
1: So translated this way, this would seem to blow away the idea of there being one God over the earth that we serve, but it does not. The plural form Elohim continues all the way through chapter 1 of Genesis and into chapter 2 through verse 4.
0: And it's important to remember here. That it was with the advent of the English Bible that the story was split into chapter and verse, and the thought from chapter one actually ran through the first part of chapter two, down through the first part of verse four, mm-hmm. uh, where it should have been. In fact, if you have a New Living Translation, It'll it tell splits you. It. Yeah. it. It yeah. splits it in the right place in mm-hmm. there. Okay, all right. The first part of Genesis two four says, "This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth."
1: Mm-hmm. And in the second part of Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, a new thought emerges and the name for God changes from Elohim to Jehovah Elohim. And this is the reason that in our English translations, for the first time, we see the title Lord God appear. And there's another name preceding the word gods. Jehovah Elohim can be translated either Jehovah of the gods or Jehovah God's. But again, our translators chose to make the transition as though we're talking about the same singular character, who, by the way, now has two names, if we're <laughs> still talking about the one singular character.
0: Well, if we'll be honest, this also adds to the argument or the belief that the humanity created in Genesis one twenty six was not the same as Adam, who was made in Genesis chapter 2. And the reason we're saying this is Genesis chapter 2, where Jehovah Elohim comes on the scene. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Lord God right. comes on. It's actually, and it would be the Lord God's. Yes. Jehovah Elohim would be the Lord God's, would be. But anyway, or Jehovah of the gods, the Lord of the gods, is how that would read. But look at Genesis 126. We all know it says, let us make man in our image. It is translated this way. And God said, let us make man in our image. But really, uh, said in the Hebrew form, and the gods said, "Let us make man in our image." Does that change that for you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, honestly, it changes it for me when I sit and realize that it actually says, which we're going to talk about. But let us. Yeah. And I guess I've just always been. The,
0: well, you've you been—you've you know. been traditionally brainwashed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's so. be serious. We've no, got, we have got all come who, to
1: the understanding that we have been to some degree or another brainwashed when by. When it comes to
0: the Bible. Yes. When it comes to the Bible, we're already told this is what that means. And if you ask the question, you'll get the apologetic answer. Right. And I'm not picking on people who are apologetics and no. apologetics. What I'm saying to you is this. That is just trying to prove that the Bible is, is, is what we say it is mm-hmm. and we've got the answer we've got all the answers and the answer we'll all give you the same answer every time right i was There's no reading other
1: I, I got some of my information that i was using today from a former catholic priest and he had a lot of really great insights into this and he said what started his entire journey was he had a friend of his tell him said you know when you learn to sit down and read the bible for what it is and stop interjecting your own eyes your own ideas into it he said, Brother, you may be able to dodge some snowflakes, but you can't dodge the snowstorm.
0: That's right. That's very good. Yeah.
1: So like we were talking about, it is curious that the transla- the translators left in the phrase, let us. Now, that's the English translation Right, the English. But made the plural word gods into the singular God, which makes us question who God was talking about when he said, let us make man in our image. And of course, if you've ever dared to ask the question you'll likely get the standard apologetics answer. This is a Trinity verse. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But doesn't the Trinity doctrine also assert that these three are one? So why did God need to say it out loud <laughs> to himself?
0: And it's that's a legitimate question.
1: I mean, sometimes I talk out loud to myself, yeah, but uh, I don't uh, usually say us. So. Yeah,
0: us yeah, we <laughs> out that, um, yeah, there you go. Well that controversial with that co- controversial thought we'll conclude segment 2 and we'll quickly return with our final segment and our conclusion as fast as we're going we may give you back those 17 minutes we from just the last <out>.
1: Seekers, at least those who haven't disconnected and are furiously typing out an angry retort to our presentation on the plurality of the word Elohim in the Old Testament.
0: <laughs> well, just a quick recap to bring us up to speed. In segment one, we presented the fact that the writer of the book of Genesis and most of all the Old Testament writers used the plural form of the Hebrew word, which is properly translated God, despite the fact that there was a singular word, El or Eloah. That could have been used if the singular form had been intended, like we're told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what what Tracy, there's have you got something there on that Yeah, about I
1: do. Um I have a few more verses that use this play between El and Elohim, and one of them is Psalms eighty-two one. And I actually I used the English Standard Version of the Bible for this because th- th- it was just a little bit clearer than the others. Okay. It says Jehovah has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, and the gods is Elohim there, and he holds judgment.
0: Okay, now wait a minute. So it is actually translated gods there
1: mm-hmm. in English. Mm-hmm. And so it,
0: it says Jehovah, which is the Lord.
1: But gods is lowercase, even though it was the same word. It but was translated it was Elohim. Lowercase. Yes.
0: And they chose to make it cat make it lowercase g o d s mm-hmm. even though it's the same Elohim that was in the first chapter yes. now re- let's read that let's read that again and see if we can get a gesture that now okay. what where does that that is psalms
1: psalms eighty two one okay God Jehovah has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods elohim he holds judgment in the midst of the gods he holds judgment uh and then you can go down to Psalms 95.3, where it says, For the Lord, which is Jehovah, Jehovah. is a great God. El, El is the word that it's the there. L, not is El- a great L- God. Use the singular. Yes, L Is a
0: great God.
1: And a great king above all Elohim, above all gods.
0: <laughs> wow. That just that's almost a mind blower, isn't it? Well, isn't I've got it?
1: one more for you go ahead. guys. Okay, let's go. Lay it
0: on us. That sounds good.
1: Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 8 and 9. When the Most High, which is El Yon, is the word that's used there, yeah. the Most High God, gave to the nations their inheritance, and He separated the sons of men. He fixed the bounds of the people according to the number of the sons of El, the sons of God, for the Lord. Yahweh's portion is his people. Jacob is his allotted heritage.
0: So that verse is saying that El Mm
1: -hmm. is over
0: all the gods. Yes. And Yehovah or Yahweh, Jehovah, Mm -hmm. is a lesser.
1: It seems to be that he is given an inheritance of the Jewish people.
0: I mean, he's given a particular inheritance, but that's not the whole earth.
1: No. Hmm. Wow. So, and I have to take you guys a little bit farther into this. I started doing some research into the Canaanite people because they're very much tied in with the Jewish people. Uh So they have, they had a belief in El as well, but they also believed, you see this throughout the Old Testament, the word Asherah, the Asherah poles. Mm -hmm. They believed that Asherah was the equivalent of the wife of El. And that they had 70 sons. And that those sons so were the, the gods who controlled the earth. Yeah. I'm just, I'm putting it out there. But for you guys that want to know, um, they also believed that the sons of God who came into the daughters of men mm. were the sons of El. And you can follow those with um, Elohim being H40 or word 430 in Strong's Concordance in 433. Okay. So you can just kind of follow those if you guys have access to a Strong's.
0: And you'll see that.
1: Wow. Okay. So in part two, we discussed how differently we would be reading the Bible if the English translators would have stayed true to the text and used the plural form and translated it God's. And we also pointed out that in chapter one of Genesis, the proper translation would have been, and the gods said, let us make man in our image.
0: And uh, beginning in chapter 2, in the latter part of verse 4, a new title entered the text, Jehovah Elohim, which may be translated Jehovah of the Gods, or it would be the Jehovah Gods, but I think Jehovah of the Gods is the way it would have been translated, but was subtly translated the Lord God. And the title continued to shift back and forth in the Old Testament from just Elohim to Jehovah Elohim. Or sometimes just Jehovah, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes just Jehovah or the Lord. So if, when you're reading in your Old Testament mm-hmm. and you read Lord, that's Jehovah. Yes. Or Yahweh, right? Yes. Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever, because Jehovah was actually with a Y, Jehovah, and
1: and it was y- actually from Y yeah, H W H, H no, because no there vows, were no vowels no in the Hebrew language. And, okay. and at this point, they're not even sure how it was meant to be pronounced. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying. So. But
1: we call it Yahweh or Jehovah, Jehovah
0: uh, but or Jehovah. But mm-hmm. anyway, the the whole point of it is, is that when you read in the English Bible, Lord, in the Old Testament, that's Jehovah or Yahweh. When you read God, it was actually God's most of the time, Elohim, but sometimes it was L singular. Yes. God. Wow. And
1: and you know, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. This is why you don't have to know Hebrew and Greek. But it is that Strong's Concordance. It is nice to be able to go back and see where the word came from, the origin of it, because it changes. Isn't it kind of amazing?
0: He did that work when was it in the 1800s, early 1900s, late 1800s? Does anybody know? I mean, I I believe it was in
1: the 1800s. We need to
0: research that because I've said that two or three times, but. You know, there was a man that was inspired.
1: He was. Yeah, because absolutely. he did it at a time
0: when not very many people had a Bible or could read a Bible. Mm-hmm. But he went back and did this for the people reading the English Bible. He did that strictly for us English-reading people to right. know to whether or not that the translators stayed true, and many times they did not.
1: Right. They and did not stay true. And for you guys out there that maybe don't have access or maybe can't afford because they are fairly expensive. A Especially
0: if you get a large print one yes, like I got. a
1: Strong Skin Coordinates. You can go online, and there is actually a free to the public Strong's Concordance where you can go through and read the Bible, and each word has a little number beside it, and you can tap that number, and it'll take you to the number. And show that would be it easier
0: means. than and my. That'd be easier than my big book. Because somebody <laughs>
1: um, has mine in their possession and won't give it back. I would know who that is. I did price them on Amazon. You get them for around twenty-five dollars now. Oh, that's so a they're much cheaper, cheap, but they used not to the be. big one. Well, not large print. I'm yeah, sure. my,
0: my large print one that someone, yeah. got, I guess you girls make it. I don't know who got it for me, but someone I'm bought sure me it me. I'm sure, probably. Yeah, but it was, I'm sure it was much more expensive. But when you're blind, you have to have the big writing. Right. Oh.
1: Okay, so let's take our new discovery to another level. There is another time that it is implied that Jehovah discussed the problems with the planet Earth to another group of beings on his level, and it is in Genesis chapter 11. This is an occurrence following the flood as the earth was repopulating and genealogy tells us it was likely anywhere from 150 to 300 years immediately after the flood and the people all spoke the same language and occupied the same geographic area and an effort was made to keep the people united and sort of keep everyone together so for whatever reason the tower of babel was erected and central a central governing city was built
0: for reasons not stated and unknown to us, this was not what Jehovah, that's what it uses there, mm-hmm. the Lord had in mind. So the progress must be averted, or in his words, if they accomplish this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Now he's having this discussion with, actually it says he came down and observed the city mm-hmm. and the tower, and then he went back and he's having this discussion with El we don't know it doesn't say
1: i mean i just wonder if you read the you know as we discussed before the verses in deuteronomy where l seems to be the most high yeah and if you read those was he going back and going hey what do i do with them now yeah. you know <laughs> now they're doing this and well I'm think
0: about it this is about let's say roughly 200 years after the flood mm-hmm. they've just got they're just starting to repopulate. Okay. We visited them. We talked about that in chapter 6 of Genesis. We visited them. Ah, it's all going haywire. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just have a flood, and we'll get this county straightened out. So here we go, 200 years later. Come down check on them. You ain't going to believe what they're doing now. Yeah,
1: here we go again.
0: I mean, they they haven't learned a thing here, I guess.
1: Okay, so this phrase was in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 11, where he's conversing the issue with someone, but we don't know who. But it is in verse 7 that we get the indication that Jehovah had help from some equals because it reads, Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. Two things here are going to stand out to even the most casual Bible student. Who is Jehovah discussing the problem to in verse 6? And who is the us that are going to join him and go down in verse 7? Was it another joint effort of the Elohim of the gods? Again, if this is a Trinity verse, why any oral discussion? Why do they need to go down to earth?
0: Well, you guys got That's any two th-
1: questions, but it's I know, just, but let's put but, them together. But, here. but let's, yeah,
0: stick them, put them all together. Why? Why does he need, who's he discussing it with, and why does he say, come, let's go down. Come with me. Yeah. Y'all come with me, and we're going to go down, if he was Southern. Yeah. <laughs> all <laughs> load up in the truck. Yeah, we're going to go down and we're going to see what we need to do because it's almost like they had this council. What do we need to do? What will solve this problem? What's the easiest way? You know we wiped them out once. Let's don't do that again. Yeah. Cuz after we've made a promise, remember, mm-hmm. that we won't do that again. We've made a promise that we're not going to. So what are we going to do this time? What do y'all think? Well, one way we could do it, if they can't communicate, they can't cooperate. That right. was of the yeah. was not that yeah. the consensus? It's okay. Let's go down. And, and was this so I'm you go sl- down and
1: you take them and I'll take them and you take I don't, them? I
0: don't know. Was this
1: where Deuteronomy 32 8 and 9 came in? Mm, where these split That's a them up? Question.
0: What do y'all have anything else?
1: I think I'm good.
0: Are we ready to conclude? Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, as we've pointed out numerous times in our mini-podcasts, it is clear there has been a concerted effort, especially when it pertains to the English translation of the Bible, to slant the interpretation towards a particular outcome supported by the traditions and beliefs of that day. Again, we find ourselves asking the question, why not just put it all out there the way it was written, and let the seekers of Theos, the exceeding good and great force of this universe, seek out their own personal relationship with our Lord God? The answer is likely as simple as the one you've heard us say over and over. Man wants to insert himself into the God-man relationship. Man does not want people to have the liberty to find God wherever and however he may present himself to them.
1: As always, until next time, God's grace, peace, and love on each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at GodBeyondTheBible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at GodBeyondTheBible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.